Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Impulse Control Experiment. My name is Joel Harrison, as always, and I do appreciate you for joining me and keeping me honest. Um, I have promised you guys to bring in some of my awesome friends today, uh, or, or recently. So today, I have uh, someone with me who, let's see, I've known for about eight years, I think, give or take, maybe a couple more. First time I met this guy, I had kind of aligned with him because I noticed that no matter who he's around or what situation he's in, he is always 100% his true self. He always has a big old smile on his face, and there's nothing that you can do to make him be someone else, whether he's in a business setting or, uh, you know, in just having a good time or whether we're at the movies and he's uh, hooting and hollering before the movie starts like last night. <laughs> so, uh, ladies and gentlemen, one of my very best friends, Mr. Mitchell Johnson. Hey, Mitch, how's it going? Hey, hey, thank you so much for having me on. Excited to be here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, little update uh, on myself. I always give everybody an update on how my last couple of days have gone. And I think in, in a couple episodes when I don't have somebody here with me, I'm going to talk a little deeper bit about this. But the last couple of days have kind of been, um, I've gone outside the parameters of the experiment. So, Thanksgiving break, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, Thanksgiving actually... Um, I set intention before, even with my audience, that I was going to eat some carbs on Thanksgiving because my brother makes the best mashed potatoes in the world and my mom makes the best noodles around. So I was going to, I couldn't avoid those because it's like one time a year when I get those. And then, um, we talked a little bit about, um, connecting with people that you don't always get along with. And so I did also have about two half ounce portions of some really nice, special whiskey so if you're a special whiskey drinker as i know you are um, oh yeah i got to taste a little jefferson ocean which has been on my list for a good while you know jefferson's really great what they do so i i hear what you're saying there yeah if you're not familiar with this whiskey they um so they they make the whiskey and then they put it in barrels and then instead of sitting in a warehouse um the whiskey goes on a research vessel that crosses the equator eight times and they say that the motion of the ocean uh, allows the whiskey to age faster and even adds a little salt flavor to it. Um, I don't know that my palate was sophisticated enough to get the salt taste to it, but uh, it was a pretty stellar whiskey. And so being honest with everybody, I did drink just a little bit, like I said, maybe two half ounce pours of, of whiskey. So just a little bit to get the flavor. Um, and if you've been following me, I did connect uh, really well on that factor with, um, with the guy who, who I was talking about that we don't always get along with. So um, all in all, I'm totally at peace with all of that stuff. Um, the other piece of the update is I know I've been talking a lot about the car situation. It has finally been remedied. Uh, yesterday we did go out and buy a 2013 uh, VW Jetta TDI. Uh, so we're loving on that car a little bit, and I'm pretty excited that my wife now has a safe vehicle to travel Congratulations, man. That's so great. Great so, news. Yeah, pretty excited, uh, you know, safe and reliable. Um, and then, of course, as soon as I spent $10,000 on that car, I took my car to the shop, and it's cost me another 1200 bucks. So, you know, sometimes the universe throws you things that, that shows you just enough that you know you can handle. Cause oh, yeah, most definitely. It's, it's pretty rough, um, but as I'm going through this, you know, I get you get those situations. Um, and so you just keep on going, and you just take it with a smile, and you, you frame it in the, in the fact that I'm going to have a safe vehicle again. So um, there was a lot more wrong with it than I thought, but that means I was a lot closer to dying every time I got behind the wheel than I thought I was going to. So pretty happy to be safe again. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so now I just want to dump right, jump right in into the, uh, the reason I brought you here. And... Um, so like I said in the intro, uh, 
Mitch is one of those guys that just has a beautiful, sunny disposition all the time. Um, I told him before we got started, I was just going to love on him for a second. So I met Mitch in the restaurant industry about eight years ago. And this dude can sell a ketchup popsicle to a woman in white gloves, <laughs> which is why he's now one of the best beer salesmen in uh, Maryland, working with uh, Three Stars Brewing. Right? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Awesome. And so I just wanted to ask you, and feel free to take as much time as you like, like, what is it about your day? Like, how do you do that? Because I know day to day, like, I'm learning to keep that sunny disposition that I love when I have, but like, what... What do you what do you do? How does that happen? How how did you come to be you know such an awesome guy? Okay, well, um, you know, thank you first of all. I mean, that's just huge and big to to hear. You know, and that means a lot to me. Um, my my big deal is it's uh it's more of a lifestyle, and I've you know had certain times in my life where things have not been so great, and it makes me appreciate and be. Um, grateful for all the good things that I do have in my life. So it starts with being, you know, really appreciative and thankful. And, you know, some of the times that I've had that have been really hard, um, you know, growing up, um, I wasn't super, you know, popular in school um, because I kind of had sort of that sunny disposition kind of deal. I was always upbeat. I would talk to anybody. And some people found that, you know, strange that I was kind of secure with who I was. And it's hard, you know, kids, are, they're trying to find out who they are so finding somebody who's already kind of so sure of themselves off the jump was you know almost abrasive I guess and so I would get into you know a lot of fights and I was harassed a lot and you know I had to still find strength within the friends that I did have and I was you know blessed with having so many friends because I would talk to anybody so even though I had you know a lot of you know people, you know, forces, I guess you would say, kind of against me. I had a lot of people in my tribe from a young age. And then, you know, translated to things in high school, too, that I, you know, maintained friendships then that I even still have today. Um, so, you know, shortly after high school, um, you know, I started a rock and roll band, you know, sort of in high school, senior year, junior year, that kind of thing. And, um, you know, our... Our drummer, who happened to be my friend that uh, from Alaska, and then we met and reconnected down in the Midwest, he ended up uh, passing away in a drinking driving accident, and it was really hard for all of us because our community was so you know interconnected through the music scene. And then about four or five months later, another one of my really great friends um, passed away in a, in a freak accident at work. He was actually working at the mulch pit at a you know landscaping place. And the bobcat got a little too close to the mulch pit, caved, crushed the guy. Oh, wow. Um, So, you know, you you lose, you know, two almost pillars of your, you know, friendship foundation back to back like that. It's um, it's a real humbling experience. And, you know, you're going to you're going to, you know, suffer through that loss. But when you come out the other side, you realize very viscerally how short life is. And that's where that appreciation comes from as well. It's, you know, it's thinking. Man, you know, I could lose anyone of my friends or myself at any time. You could be at work or you could be doing something stupid. It could, it doesn't matter. You know, it could happen to anybody. So that taught me very, very young to, you know, it's, you know, just shy of my 20th birthday to, you know, appreciate everything that I've got. And, and that's something that's helped me to maintain that and turn it into a lifestyle. Because again, coming out to the other side means that these are going to be several years of, you know, telling yourself that to appreciate things and uh, eventually it builds on itself and it just becomes very natural to 
be so grateful and we kind of learn to roll with the punches. You know, I, I really, and I really love this immediately, this conversation. I'm so happy that I brought you in here because one of the things that you just said like 10 times in a row throughout that whole thing, um, which even though it's a very, you know, I can tell sitting here with you, it's, it's fairly painful for you to talk yeah. about that. But first of all, you started with gratitude. And then as you went through that, and the thing that helped you get through that was gratitude. And anybody that's been listening to my podcast, episode one was about gratitude because everything starts with gratitude. Yes. And then as you went through that, you reframed your pain into a reason to be grateful for what you have. Mm-hmm. And as, as I go through this process, I find things are difficult. You know, I'm not allowed to have some of my favorite vices, you know, and, and I've been a fairly vice driven guy. Um, and I'm, and whether that's, you know, whether that's drinking or smoking or something, that's an easier vice or a much more acceptable cultural vice, you know, like Mm -hmm. sugar and carbs. Mm -hmm. And so, but then as I, as I'm dealing with, and of course it's not the death of of a friend, it's not as painful a situation, but it's still a negative emotion. And I, I'm grateful for the way my body feels. I'm grateful for the time that I have. I'm grateful for my ability to work more and move forward in life. So like just, just in case everybody didn't catch as much of that as, as I did, like through that, the lesson is gratitude. And then on, and then like, so to take that one step further and maybe to bring up something else that I, I've always envied you for, or I've envied you for, for the past seven years is, um, is your pursuit of your son. Um, so Mitch and I used to work together in a restaurant and he had a relationship with a woman and all of a sudden um, she peaced out and left across the country. And it turns out a few months later that uh, my wife through her friends gets a picture of this woman with a child who looks exactly like Mitch. This guy went from being a dude that partied every single weekend and was always out there, was touring the country in a punk rock band, really doing his thing, really, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but really living a very uh, self-centered life. And I don't mean that in a bad way, but I mean, you you were doing your thing, yeah? Yeah, yes and no. I mean, yes, I would say selfish in the pursuit of, you know, a career, which I think anybody needs to, because, you know, I believe in, you know, pursuit of dreams, pursuit of self, uh, as far as knowing yourself um, and taking care of yourself. Um, but I also feel like if, if you're, if you're really passionate about something in your dreams, you can turn it into a, a career and you believe that you want to make it a career. Oh, absolutely. And so, you know, in a band, it's actually more so, uh, a marriage, but not to, you know, a spouse, but to, you know, two or three other individuals. And it's, it's a serious commitment. Um, we were... Uh, professional musicians together in the group for about a good, you know, nine, ten years before we kind of disbanded unofficially, you know, so we get together for reunions and things like that. Um, but yeah, we were on a record label. We, we toured the country. We had merchandise. We had sales plans. It was, it was in all ways a business and it was supplemented by my restaurant income. But yeah, I, I didn't have um, any, you know, of the ultimate responsibilities that someone could have 
um, at any age, really. I, you know, I didn't have any you know parents to, to take care of or any kids to take care of. Um, but I, I've always taken my friendships very seriously. And, you know, I believe anybody has, you know, selfish, you know, rights of, you know, preservation or motivations per se. But I've actually kind of lived my life to where, you know, I'm a, I'm a people person. So I get pleasure out of um, others, you know, making others happy, whether it's, you know, cooking a meal or making, you know, a fancy cocktail or something for them. And that's where I think I was kind of drawn into the service industry in general because I have general and genuine uh, pleasure from, you know, making others happy. It makes me happy. It's not necessarily about people pleasing per se. Like I'm not doing it to, you know, pacify or uh, have my own kind of objective through it. It's just simply seeing someone's day light up, you know. Uh, it can be something very small, but you can see someone who's just kind of having, you know, they have something on their face and having a bad mood or bad approach to something. And by being able to turn that around for someone is a really great gift to me. So And I... I yeah. 100% agree with that yeah. because I have that same yeah. thing. Actually, when the day, so my father was sick for a long time and we yeah. knew that it was coming, but the day that my father passed away, which again, I reframed into one of those things where it was better because he wasn't, you know, kind of rotting away in a nursing home and, you know, his pain, mm-hmm. he was free and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Um, but that day, I went to work. That night, I drove yeah. home and I went to work. And because. Not because I needed the money, not because I needed, I would have gotten fired if I wouldn't have went to work. You know, everybody there, including my boss, was like, why are you here? You don't need to be here. And my answer was because, was because my day has been bad and it's going to make my day better to improve someone else's day. Absolutely. And, Absolutely. and I even, I can remember to the T, you know, it's just one of those times where even though at this time I didn't really believe that things worked this way. But where the universe gives you what mm-hmm. you need, and at that moment, um, I had I had it might have even been one or two tables that night. I was working in fine dining, so it was a little slower, and I had more time to spend. But my table that night, I can I can remember. I can even almost see this guy's face. Um, it was a um, a family of four, uh, two grown children, and the dad was just so charismatic. And he was just having such a good time. And the whole time we were just razzing and bullshitting, you know, and it felt Mm. so good to um, expedite their experience. You know, they were there to have a good time with their family. And unbeknownst to myself or, you know, nobody planned this, but they just let me in. And my dad is such a charismatic guy and acted the same way in public situations that it was a really healing experience for me to go and take care of them and allow them to have a great um, evening. So I totally get that, that yeah. seriousness. And, and real quick, one, one thing I wanted to touch on just to make sure that, mm. that you understood this is I, when I said um, self-serving, I did not yeah. mean selfish. Right. I meant more that you were in a place where, um, you know, I am in, I have a wife and, you know, yeah. our lives are intertwined, but between the two of us, we decide what we're going to do, and that's the only person I have to serve or take care of. And and we're both adults, so if those things aren't congruent at the exact same time, then I can serve what I want to do, and she can serve what she wants to do. Um, so I did not mean that you were a right, selfish right. person, and right. I want you know not just for you, but for everybody else to to realize that you can be self-serving mm-hmm. without being selfish. 
Um, right. And I would, I would kind of liken it to, you know, a couple of things that kind of spark for me is I'm more of a, I guess you'd say a carefree kind of lifestyle. Might be a better word to use, yeah. And, and it was very much in the pursuit of that because, again, you know, going back to the trauma that we had faced. So to be more specific, you know, like I said, we were in a band together. We weren't just bandmates. We all lived together. And also our other best friend, um, the guitar player, he was in the car as well. And we all lived together. And so, you know, when that when that accident happened, you know, the guitar player survived the, the accident and he was in the hospital. I still had to make rent. So I had to immediately go back to work and, you know, knock out rent for three people now instead of one and still also care and, you know, everyone else is grieving, even though I'm the one who's closest to the person, everyone around me is breaking down because it's very community and connected. So the band itself was almost a, like a, a brotherhood thing. So yes, it would, I would definitely say it's self-serving in the fact that that's what gave me my pleasure. That was my passion. That was my dream. That's what I wanted to do was be in a, you know, a rock and roll band, but it was that, that sense of community was important and also going back to the whole carefree lifestyle we very much lived in the day in the moment did what we wanted to do when we wanted to do it being young being punk rockers so yes it was very much from like you said a self-serving you know uh perspective but not a selfish perspective and um yeah i think that's that's the sort of the key i think there is is having that sense of community can be one of those things where it, it can be really wonderful, but you also has a lot of pressure because you'll find yourself in situations where you're the strong one, you're the, the positive one, you're the one who's supposed to be there for everyone. And then what do you do when you yourself need someone to be there for you? And it can happen on large scales, small scales. Uh, one, one of my friends in, in, um, in my life, uh, her friend, her best friend is having a baby soon. And that's really exciting. And so she's really putting in a lot of energy into that and being there for her, being supportive of her friend. But she herself had been going through some hard times and she felt like she couldn't even talk to her best friend because it's all about the pregnancy and that going on. So there can be times where you know, someone who is very positive might not feel like they have someone to turn to. And that kind of is another thing that was popping into my mind about mm. the, the self, self-care too because sometimes people that have a positive mentality find themselves in a supportive role for people when it might be harder or unexpected for other people to be supportive for them. So can we, can we dig just a little bit there and ask like what, so when, when you're in that spot, when you're the positive guy and all of a sudden, you know, everybody else around you, you're trying to love on everybody else and you find yourself drained of that and you, I mean, obviously something hits you so close like that. What, what is, I mean, were you, did you stay totally positive? Did anything falter there? What, how did you dig yourself out? Like, what was that process well, like? Um, I would, I would kind of take it back to a couple of things that we've touched on. Um, you know, as I mentioned growing up, uh, I, I grew up in, uh, in Alaska and, it's a very independent kind of wild west place to grow up. Um, you have to be very independent and kind of take care of yourself. So being in a lot of the fights and scuffles and things like that taught me a lot of resilience and drive. Uh, I was always, you know, still pursuing my passions of, um, you know, music. I was doing classical music, I was playing cello as my first instrument. I was playing bass and jazz band and pursuing my academic pursuits and things like that. 
Um, so I felt like I still need to be able to accomplish my goals even though I'm going through these struggles. Now taking it full circle to with my son, um, you know, my son's mother and I, were we'd met here in St. Louis and she was originally from West Virginia and she, she and I were having trouble in our relationship. It was very like new, very tumultuous. Um, but she made a decision, you know, I don't want to say anything bad about her, but she made a decision that she wanted to, um, to go back to West Virginia and she left before my son was born. And so I knew that I would have to pursue legal action. I knew what that was going to cost. I knew I had to get serious. And so I put my band on the back burner and I got serious with my work and I, you know, got promoted into management, saved up money, took out every loan I could find and spent my whole life savings, got the lawyer, took me about two years to save up enough money to, to get it to happen, had to hire a private investigator. It was a long process, but when you're going some, through something that hard and you know that you have to reach a goal in this case, it was to, to get my child, get my son. Yeah, there was, there was a lot of times where, you know, you felt so alone, like you couldn't talk to people because they just didn't understand. You know, I tried to reach out to certain, some people they would say things like, uh, oh, just forget about it. You know, you don't, you, you saved a bullet, you dodged a bullet, you know, just don't worry about it. Or they'd be unsympathetic to where, you know, why are you spending all your money on this? Why are you going broke over this? Um, it's that resilience of, of knowing in your heart what's right and knowing that you have to accomplish your goal even when you're alone like that that is like the number one thing and then also knowing knowing when and how and knowing your audience you know sometimes you can't just totally unload on someone you can't just dump your problems onto someone so knowing your your friend's individual threshold is really key so that way you know you have certain people that you can talk to if you're blessed and you have you know a significant other and trust your spouse i think sometimes we don't trust our spouse enough maybe from personal experience because you know with my wife if it's one thing she and i um we're really proud of is that we can talk to each other about everything and we encourage that in each other so that's been a huge load lifted off my shoulder because i've been in other relationships where I felt not comfortable talking about my, you know, emotions and relationships and things like that and feelings. Yeah. So, and I think that's yeah. a that's a place that Holly and I have been before, and through this experiment, you know, um, I've made no bones about it when I've had a bad day and when it's been my fault and when I've gotten, you know, a little yes. too emotional and even yelled a little bit or or a lot bit. Um, and that's one point where we are getting back to, and we're better than just trying to get back to at the moment. We've been you know, growing in that through this and we've really been getting to know each other. But, you know, I really want to, again, come back for just a second and mm -hmm. love on you a little bit. I, mm -hmm. I love, I appreciate you being so, you know, so honest with us. Um, but I, I loved you before all this went down. You know, um, because oh, yeah. I mean, we've because been a lot were, longer, I think, than even eight years. I think, gosh, it's been it might be it's been, ten. It's, it's a little over a decade. Yeah, it's been a long time. And yeah. so, like, I I already loved you because you were the same guy that you were on stage screaming <laughs> into a microphone as you were, you know, uh, making sure people had the best experience of life at the restaurant. You were the exact same guy um, <laughs> as to where a lot of people will, you know, tone that down. But what I didn't know was it I mean I'm, I'm gonna be totally honest with you here what I didn't know was in there and um, 
up, up until now, you know, it's starting to change the older I get, but I've never really been a, ch- a children guy. You know, I, I don't yes. have that much interest in my own family. So like I was that guy that for a little bit was like, or, or maybe not encouraging it, definitely not encouraging it. But when I saw your pursuit of your son to, to, to kind of stand back and be like, I'm, I'm not sure, like, like checking myself. Mm-hmm. Would I put that much effort in? Would I pursue that hard? Would I throw down my whole life savings on that? Like move halfway across the country. I, <laughs> like, I mean, I, yeah. I, I mean, move halfway across the, yeah. the country. Nothing. Drive halfway across the country. Well, yeah, stop and true. sleep at a, at a rest stop for two hours. Keep driving. Be at work the next day. I mean, this dude has thrown down as much effort as anybody has ever thrown down to see their kid. <laughs> Thank you. And and like. Just to see that pursuit inside somebody and just to be like, you know, I don't even know if I'm that quality of a human in my own self. It just made me love you so much more and deliver so much like straight up respect was that like, I love this dude because he was a good time and because he was always himself. I did not until I saw that happen know the drive and the love and just the awesome like man quality that's inside this dude like he's from alaska so he probably can go down and chop down a tree and catch some fish as well but like you want to talk about being a man you want to talk about manliness you talk about dropping everything that has previously been your number one and throwing all your effort into your kid and like the amount that you love freddie and the amount that you love your new daughter Susie, and like just dude it's just absolutely killer and it's amazing, and I told you I was gonna love thank, on thank you so you, man. much. I appreciate and it. Um. You're just you're you're like truly an inspiration, and I always love it. And I love when you come to town and hanging out, and I'm super happy that you joined me here. So, yeah, I just needed to love on you for a minute. No, thank you, thank you so much. Um, you know, uh, kind of thinking of a few different themes here too is, um, you know, you talked about how I'm able to kind of sort of have a lack of facade so to speak I try to be as much as I can of myself all the time and that goes back to knowing myself and I think going full circle again with you know struggling with pain there's always been a resilience um, aspect I've always felt like I could accomplish the things I need to accomplish that it would somehow be possible and I knew that I could only truly count on myself to get it done at the end of the day you are yourself you have to pick yourself up and and make something happen and um an advice that my mom always gave me growing up because she was full of just great advice and um, one of those was you you can't beat a man who gets back up and so if you always are getting back up and dusting yourself off and and you know pursuing the the goal um eventually it does get within reach and can actually be accomplished and another thing of advice that she would give was uh, you know, be your own best friend. Um, you wouldn't tell your, you know, your best friend, oh, you know, you're terrible, you're gonna fail, you're awful. Why would you do that? You're so stupid. Um, those are things that you would never tell your best friend. So why tell that to yourself? And I was always a big believer that I could, I could always give to others the things that I wanted most, and that I could put out good. And that somehow I would 
receive it back. And I would leave things, I like to leave things better than I found them when possible. I don't always, I'm not always successful at that, but I always try to leave things a little bit better than I found them. Um, so when it came to being a father, uh, growing up, my, my father and I are much closer now um, in, in my adult life, but uh, growing up, my father was absolutely absent. Um, and so it was always important to me to be a father because I knew how important it was to, to need one and to have one because I didn't have one. And I felt there were so many times in life that I could have had that advice or that shoulder to lean on. I had to show myself how to become a man. And so I knew, even at a very young age, that I would be that father to someone. I would put more good out there. If only, you know, bad people have kids, then there's no good people left, you know. And I totally respect people that don't have kids. Um, I, I think it's actually so condescending to push it on someone or, oh, you'll know when you have kids or, oh, you'll have kids eventually or, oh, when are you going to have kids to you know, married couples especially <laughs> that don't have kids? And I bet you can empathize with that. It happens. Um, but yes, me, myself, personally, I always knew that that would be something that I, I could be great at because I would know exactly what a kid would need in that role. So those are kind of tying in multifaceted stuff and topics that we've talked about today, but that's kind of how I've been able to be myself is, you know, I felt by being able to count on myself, knowing that I had to be resilient, I had to be the strong person, um, even at my weakest times. You know, my mom would often say things like, well, you got, you're lucky you didn't, you know, weren't born without an arm or a leg, or you're lucky you're not in a wheelchair, or, you know, she'd always be quick to, like, help us be grateful. And so I'm in turn grateful for her for showing me that lesson. And so that even in the times where you don't feel like you have anyone to turn to, you can turn to yourself. Now, it's not always enough. Sometimes you have to still have your friend network. I think that is important. And for those of you that don't have close friends, I always recommend getting in some kind of group activity, whatever it is. Something physical is usually a good way to go when you don't really have a lot of friends because a lot of sports are, I'm not really a sports guy. I was more of a skateboarder, but being in some kind of physical activity, I think that induces a lot of camaraderie. So. Yeah, it is important to have a network, but also at the end of the day, it's it's all about you, your own choices. So, like, you're, to, to use a word the kids use, like, dude, you're so woke. Like, we're sitting, <laughs> we're sitting here having this conversation. We're sitting here having this conversation, and you and I didn't preface this in this way, but, like, these are... If you look back at the topics and if you, you know, some of the folks that have listened to the whole podcast, like yeah. you are touching on theme after theme after theme that is already <laughs> on the podcast. And so like, Great minds, I guess. I've, I've, I've met your mom. I love your mom. I don't even say your mom anymore. I just call your mom, mom, you <laughs> yes, know, like, exactly. and, and, um, uh, hopefully I'm, I'm so excited because I think tomorrow <laughs> we're going to see Susie and, and your mom and like Mitch's oh, yeah. family is my family. Like it's just the way it goes. And from the uh. moment that I from the moment that I met your mom, um, it was just that way. Just just like you, I can see where it comes <laughs> from. But like, is that is that where all of this came from? Is like your mom and just your natural upbringing, or cause, yeah, cause... it's the nature of the nurture, I guess, so to speak. Um, no, I honestly, I think I think it comes to you know, my mom was a single mom, so there's a lot of that. So I definitely give her kudos and props, one hundred percent. And I also believe that. Having to have a lot of, I guess you would say, mental adversity, you know, to really be, I mean, like when I say harassed, I mean, you know, there were, at first it was sort of racial, you know, I had like bananas taped to my locker, my house egg, all kinds of oh, stuff. Oh, Jesus. Um, 
you know, kids would, like I said, ride the bus to jump me after class and stuff like that. Um, so I had a lot of that stuff growing up. And then, like I said, I mentioned the stuff with deaths and the stuff with my son. Those, I would say those were like the three great tragedies I've had in my life. But those, those adversities of, you know, struggling growing up, uh, you know, having, you know, multiple friends pass away. And having, you know, your own flesh and blood basically kidnapped <laughs> uh, and not getting to meet your son till he's, you know, two. Um, that was that was hard. But again, I always felt like those experiences were something that could shape me and could mold me because I felt, you know, I was always an avid reader growing up. And, and all everybody I ever read, any successful person always had to struggle. And I thought, you know, that is the nature I learned kind of early on that's the nature of life it is to struggle and but also struggling is a good thing um, you know a, a muscle goes into atrophy a muscle has to be flexed it has to go through and then there's a million metaphors for that but yeah I think those would probably be the two yin's to the yang would be you know my strong value system that my mom um, you know stayed sure that my brother and I had but also you know the adversity I think it, it builds character for a dad joke there <laughs> for sure and, and for sure and and that's you know i guess that's one thing that i struggle with now like that's my struggle now is like i didn't have that struggle as a kid and so sometimes you realize like man things were good when i was a kid if i wanted something i asked for it and you know i had to work i did have a job my dad owned restaurants so i started working when i was 13 yeah. but at the same time like I had a regular, you know, job as washing dishes in a restaurant. I wasn't, you know, out climbing in the mines at eight years old or something like that. Right. And, and like my parents had their own issues. So it's not to say that I don't have trauma in my life, but I didn't have Absolutely. that struggle coming up, you know. And so now as an adult, I'm learning that. One of my other friends that I'm going to have on, I think next Thursday, uh, we're going to talk about the grind. You know, mm -hmm. and that's something that you, again, yes. are super good at that I've just like, uh, up until now, I'm getting much better at the grind, you know, drops in the ocean and, is my best metaphor for that. And, you know, it's when you, when you first start off and you're grinding away on something that might take years and years to accomplish, it's, it's drops into an ocean. Um, you keep adding to it, you keep adding to it and it becomes this cumulative effect that can be really, um, kind of something that can sneak up on you and you can really get a sense of pride and you can go shift into that lifestyle phase that we were you know, mm -hmm. talking about earlier. Um, and I also feel like, you know, any anybody, even myself, um, you start feeling sometimes that your own issues or problems aren't valid because you feel and hear about so many, so many other people's tragedies, right? So you might have other people that you might hear a story about or you know, all the natural disasters and things that go on in the country and the shootings and, you know, the media, all that stuff. You know, you hear about so many traumatic events and you know about people starving in Africa and other countries, right? Sometimes you might feel like you're not allowed to have a problem or address it. And I think that can almost be worse sometimes. I think we have to acknowledge that, you know, I'm not saying we dwell on the little stuff of stubbing your toe, you know, but if something does happen in your life that does is affecting you, denying it and shoving it down or not being able to process it is only going to make it worse. And mm -hmm. I think that might be a more ubiquitous problem that people want to realize. So sometimes you feel guilty about feeling bad. <laughs> well, yeah. well, especially because, you know, especially in, in the, the world of social media, you know, because we have, 
we have feeds that are cultivated to show your absolute best life and you don't see that person that has cultivated that feed to be picture perfect you don't see them when they failed today in their burying their head in the pillow and beating themselves up over it because that's not the image they want to project or you see when people are reaching out to help for help because they're at the end of their rope and they're showing their trauma to everybody to get some help but you don't see the in between and one of yes. my favorite things was something I got from my mentor Paul um, who is actually going to be the next episode he's joining me this afternoon um, he said pain does not have weight. You cannot put your scale and my or your pain yeah. and my pain on a scale and weigh it. Pain is a gas that grows to fill its container. So merely saying, you know, in, in my episode a couple of days ago when I was dealing with my shit, like I'll sit here and say, like, if if you were able to put shit, you know, your pain on a scale, like I did have a close friend die, but that was in high school and, and I wasn't as close, you know, mm -hmm. and, and so that affected me. But when I'm sitting here dealing with the things that affect me as an adult, which is, you know, my father and relationships and, and that kind of stuff, it doesn't mean that that doesn't have a deep effect on me when your pain on its face, if we were, if it were a competition, you know, it, nobody would behoove anybody to say that your pain yeah. is worse there's always somebody out there is going to have exactly there's always going to be it's like yeah. uh, anything that you're good at right there's always going to be somebody better at something than you there's always going to be someone that's worse than you you're never going to be you know yeah. world records get broken yeah. <laughs> just be real <laughs> they get broken every day so yeah i like i like that um that aspect you're yeah. saying it's, it's not a competition it's not you know, just because someone wins doesn't mean the other person loses. And just Life is not a zero-sum game. Yeah, You know, and that's why I like to say let's all succeed together. But that also doesn't mean that when someone is having pain or trauma, mm -hmm. that, that you can brush it off. You know, there are some things like Holly um, was mentioning. So Holly and I were both born breach. Okay, we came out butt first. Which I'm sure is more traumatizing for my mother than myself. Yes. But so, so my birth story, which my mother loves to tell, you probably is, know it. <laughs> is that I was born breech, and as I was coming out, because I was essentially bent in half and coming out butt first, as soon as you go through the birth canal, you're supposed to come through fairly quickly and start breathing. Yep. Right? There's somewhere in that process that you go from not, or you know, needing oxygen or getting oxygen from your mother to breathing on your own. Correct. Yeah. And so, that process was much slower for me. This was 1985, so you know today I'm sure that would have been a C-section, but we didn't do that as much then. So I came out in breach. So first of all, I was totally blue when I came out from lack of oxygen. I was blue, and then that was frightening for your parents. I'm sure it was. <laughs> and, and then um, this. So do you know what mercurochrome is? No. So mercurochrome is um, it's a disinfectant and it's orange. So like when, if you watch like a, like a, um, a hospital show, when they're getting ready to cut somebody, they wipe this orange stuff. Almost like an iodine, but not. Yeah. It might even be, iodine might even be, I, I don't know if they're the same or different, or maybe I'm using the wrong word, but if iodine is red stuff, same stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. Absolutely. So, I'm familiar with that. Yeah. So as I come out, I'm totally blue. And then something <laughs> happens where the nurse spills 
some some iodine on me. So I'm literally half blue and half red in the first moment that I'm alive. And like I I've never thought about this until Holly mentioned it. She was having a conversation with somebody and she was like, the moment that you're born can have a big impact on your entire life. And I thought, whoa, what if my very because you know, it's already, I'm sure, shocking to just like in uh, Look Who's Talking, you know? Yeah, right. He's like, no, put me back in, put me back in. Because yeah. you go from like warm, safe, oh, yes. you don't even know that anything else exists to being ripped out of warm and safe and all Ooh. of a sudden it's cold and there's bright lights and people are poking you and, and I don't know if they still do this, but when we were born, they'd smack you on the ass as soon as you're born to make sure you cry, <laughs> you know, to make sure you're good. And like, it, if you think about that, we don't remember it, but holy crap, that sounds terrible. That sounds like a ton yes. of trauma. So like if you, so, you know, we don't see these things as adults, but how traumatic is that? And then how does that affect your life moving forward? You know, if you think of you're building, uh, you're building a house and your foundation, if you build that house near the water and you have to put it on stilts so right. that when the, when the tide comes up, your house is safe, like, but that house is structurally less sound than I my can house see what is. You're saying. I can see what you're saying, so. but you know, also you can think of it maybe even as a, as a sword, right? A sword has to be folded mm-hmm. and it has to be tempered and has to go through fire and fury to become that sharp, you know, instrument. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe it is that struggle that makes us in turn kind of appreciate the great things. It's why we are so happy when things go wonderful. Um, you know, and being able to be happy as more of a, of a state and a lifestyle, that that's a, that's a different thing. Um, but I think yes, I think if we had if we had everything taken care of a hundred percent of the time, our entire lives, we never would have learned how to appreciate those. Oh, I one hundred percent simply the same wonderful way. times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you know, and, and if, if if it's a sign of anything, my 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 daughter is the strangest thing. When she was born, she came out smiling. First thing she ever Why did. am I not surprised? It's crazy, <laughs> yes. My daughter Susie, uh, when she was born, um, you, know, her, you know, God bless her mom. She was a like, 28-hour labor. It was insane. Oof. And Susie was born right on time, not 6.59, not you know 7.01. It was 7 o'clock p.m. on the second day. And she came out, and the first thing she did, her eyes still closed, couldn't even open them yet, you know, and just smiles. And then the crying comes, you know, it comes, you know, five seconds later, but... Uh, I'll never forget that, and um, yeah, that that was pretty cool. That's awesome, and I am. If if anybody, if if I heard anybody's kid ever came out smiling, I'm 100% not surprised it's yours. Yeah, wow, yeah, yeah. Her um, her mom was there too. She saw it. She couldn't believe it. I'm so glad we both did, so we could confirm it. Oh yeah, that's cool. (laughs) Did you did you see that? Yeah, I saw that. That's awesome, and that's you know, and it's cool that you that you have that moment, and it's great that, you know, it's great that she got a good start. You know, she didn't have to yeah. come out ass first and be blue and orange for a little. Yeah, <laughs> I'm I'm really grateful for my daughter in so many ways, and you know, in one way, it's really cool too that you know she and her brother are very close, even though he's you know a lot older than her. He loves his baby sister, and I also got to experience you know all the things that I missed from Freddie in those ages, you know. As well, so you know now my daughter's you know a year, almost a year and a half already. It's crazy, but uh, you know I get to really see all those things that I didn't see with Freddie when he was still young, and now you know like I said, Freddie and I getting to see that together and having the full family together, you know, with our wife and our daughter, and 
it's just it's pretty awesome. Well, man, I'm super proud of you. Like, <laughs> I, they, I mean, I tried to tell the story, but these folks don't know how hard you worked to make that happen. And I think that, you know, like you're saying, that makes it all the sweeter to spend the time with him. And I've never met Freddie in person. I'm excited for the day that I get to, but I've talked to him on the phone. <laughs> and he was like, Mitch handed him the phone one day. I was in the airport and I was talking to Mitch and he handed him the phone one day. And, and Freddie and I were just talking like we're boys, you know. <laughs> Hi, Uncle Joe. <laughs> it was, it was it was just right away. Um, he's the spitting, you know, he's the spitting image of you, uh, both looks and I can tell an attitude. And I'm, I'm just super happy he has Thank you. you. Um, I'm super happy that I have you. I love you so much. And, I love you too, um, brother. I appreciate you joining me today. Um, anything else in the realm before we uh, kind of wrap up? Yeah, anything else you think um, you want to say? I would just say uh, take the time to ask your friends uh, how they're doing before you jump into yours all the time. Or if you notice you have been jumping into your stuff, maybe say, hey, so enough about me. How are you doing? And I think that that'll go a long way to everybody being uh, kinder to each other. Yeah. Awesome. I, I 100% agree. <laughs> and, and, if, and if you didn't catch all the instances of gratitude and all the instances of saying the right words and reframing Stop what you're doing right now. Rewind this shit and listen to it again because there's a reason that I had this guy on my podcast and I didn't know that it was going to be as awesome as it was and I learned a lot about you. Uh, well, I today. can't wait to have a beer with so. you here in a little bit too because everything in moderation, including moderation. So, you know, just, just seven six, short days, six short days. Six days. Six days. I'm so close. Hey, thanks everybody. Thank you so much. All right, guys. I thank you for joining me once again. Uh, and as we always say, make every day greater than the last. And if you fail, that's okay. Because tomorrow's gonna be easy. So live with gratitude, celebrate your victories, and I'll see you tomorrow.